listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. The weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service. Educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 301, entitled Marketing Must-Dos for a New Lawn Care Business. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in, of course, and uh, for those all-important iTunes reviews and the questions and comments uh, that you guys have been sending through, and on that note, If you guys uh, do appreciate the content uh, that I'm putting out for you guys each and every week, uh, then uh, those uh, reviews do go a long way. Uh, Head on over to iTunes if you're you're able to and uh, leave a review there. It uh, would be very much uh, appreciated. Uh, So... uh, Hopefully you guys are all uh, doing well and uh, right in the midst, If uh, especially if you're here uh, in North America uh, with uh, the spring season going uh, very, very strong. Uh, for me, we're in that uh, zone, that time of year here in the Pacific Northwest where lawns are just uh, growing like crazy. We've got, you know, applications of fertilizers and stuff going down and then you're mixing that with uh, some sunshine, but then and that rain that we get here in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, the time of year where my uh, arms are green up to the elbows from uh, clearing uh, clogged decks and stuff, uh, just because it's just always so uh, wet and lush. Uh, even on uh, days this past week, we had uh, sunshine every uh, single day. It was super warm and uh, it still felt like you were uh, cutting wet grass at times. It was just so lush. Uh, and green and you'd cut it and you'd see that like green chlorophyll liquid coming out uh it's just uh crazy uh, how uh you know this time of year it's it's always a struggle for me it's always the time of year uh when i'm uh you know, having to work the hardest and, uh, you know, getting uh, like back pains and things like that from, uh, because of course we bag all of our grass here. Uh, so, uh, you know, having to lift the bags of grass and stuff can get quite heavy. And uh, it's always that, uh, that struggle. The struggle is real here in the Pacific Northwest uh, in uh, April and uh, uh, through May. Uh, and then it kind of settles down a little bit. You get the growth, uh, not, not, uh, you know, so, so crazy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just hopefully you guys are all, uh, just, uh, starting to hit it hard and, uh, get it, uh, done and start, uh, you know, patting those bank accounts again, uh, with some income flowing in. Uh, just a quick little update too for those of you uh, who may be interested and uh, you know listened uh, to my uh, episode 300 uh, last week that was recorded over a month ago uh, and uh, you know I just want to give you guys a quick update on uh, my weight uh, journey uh, so I have now surpassed my goal of uh, 170 pounds is what I wanted to uh, uh, reach uh, initially. I started at uh, 213 pounds uh, on Boxing Day uh, when I started uh, the journey, and uh, I hit 169. Uh, so I'm currently uh, 169 as of my last weigh-in a few days ago. 
And, uh, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, pretty proud of myself for being able to do that. And, uh, ironically have now, uh, lowered my goal again, uh, and, uh, would like to, uh, see if I can even go past that and, and try, uh, for anywhere in the one sixties, I'll be happy with like 160 to 165 in that range, I think would be a, a good, uh, uh, you know, range for me. So, Hey, why not? Why not, uh, uh, you know, surpass those goals that you set for yourself? And, uh, you know, that's uh, no different. So uh, just a quick update there. Uh, also, a uh, very interesting uh, month uh, that has gone by as well as if, um, you know, putting out the podcast and doing YouTube videos and, uh, you know, lawn care uh, starting up all over, you know, for me this uh, season again, um, I threw in another hat into uh, the ring and that is with 3d printing i got uh, as a lot of you guys know i'm into um, you know technology i talk about it uh, a bit uh, on the podcast i've always been uh, you know a bit of a, a geek uh, in terms of technology and loving technology ever since i was a little kid uh, about six years old when i was introduced to my first computer so you know anytime i get the chance to play with new technology or things like that uh, you know that really uh, gets my juices flowing. And, uh, you know, I've had the itch to uh, try uh, my hand at... uh playing around with some 3D printers and things like that and uh, ended up purchasing my first uh, 3D printer um, about a month ago or so now and uh, have been uh, playing around with it and, and, uh, you know, there's some projects I had in my mind of things I could do if I had a 3D printer and uh, one of those things was uh, building or designing some sort of a holder to hold spare line for your string trimmer. Uh, you know, a lot of you guys that follow me know that I work in these neighborhoods um, that, uh, you know, a lot of them are dense, tight neighborhoods with really tiny houses. And, uh, you know, my truck and trailer can, uh, and you know, my truck and trailer is not that big, uh, you know, just my uh, crew cab truck. But then, you know, the trailer is not uh, some massive trailer, but when you add them together, uh, in these little neighborhoods, it can be very, very difficult to find parking. Um, you know, there's, there's, been times in the past where I've had to park uh, a few blocks away and walk, um, or I've tried, you know, skipping that house and then coming back later in the day. But of course, that completely kills your efficiency because, you know, making multiple trips and backtracking to a neighborhood you've already visited uh, isn't good for the bottom line and, you know, saves a, or wastes a lot of gas, wastes a lot of time. Uh, and, uh, you know, inevitably, uh, it's times like those where, you know, I'll get some parking and then I'll have to, you know, walk a block away or something like that, or even, you know, three or four houses away or something like that. And, you know, I'll start trimming and the string trimmer runs out of line. And it's one of those things where over the years you try to remember to put, you know, some spare string in your pocket. I've heard of guys rolling up, you know, a spool of string and, and putting in their hats and uh, all sorts of things. But for me, that never worked. It was, you know, the hat one would be like, you'd, you know, be hot and sweaty one day, you'd take off your hat to wipe your brow or something like that. And, you know, the string would fall out and you wouldn't notice it. Or, you know, you'd change your pants, you'd have uh, a string in your pocket from one day, then, you know, the next day you're changing your uniform, changing your pants, and you forget to take the string out of the pocket and uh, put it in the next pair of pants, and then you're out of string again. 
So I wanted something that uh, I could have on board on my string trimmer uh, where I could visually see that, yes, there is string there. Uh, ready to go in case the, uh, you know, string trimmer runs out of string. So, you know, there is, of course, some other uh, options on the market uh, for doing this, but I found them all to be way too big and bulky and heavy. Uh, I wanted something as unobtrusive as possible, uh, very lightweight. And, you know, to me, it was just a... Uh, a very simple um, contraption that was needed. It didn't need to be this very overly um, complicated design for something that's just going to hold some, you know, a spool of string uh, or a spare length of string uh, on uh, your string trimmer. So that was uh, one of the very first projects I decided to uh, design uh, and, uh, you know, had to uh, go through and learn how to use some uh, 3D, um, you know, CAD type software and uh, designed myself a uh, string trimmer spare string holder, I call it. Uh, and it's a very simple um, little uh you know, contraption, basically, uh, very, uh, you know, like I said, very simple, um, very thin, um, so that it's lightweight, uh, and uh, it just attaches using uh, zap straps, or zip ties, and uh, is generic and fit, you know, pretty much any um, uh, string trimmer, and uh, it just works. Uh, I did a bunch of prototypes uh, over the month and, uh, you know, learned how to use the 3D printer and all the settings and all that sort of stuff and um, printing with different materials and all that. And uh, it's been a very, very fun journey. I was completely consumed with learning as much as I could about 3D printing and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's been just fascinating to me uh, and so cool to see an idea that you had in your head of something that you visualize, you know, the look of something and to then, you know, uh, put it on the computer screen, designing it and then to see it, it as a physical object, um, you know after it's printed. Uh, it was very, very cool. And, uh, you know, because of the nature of uh, 3D printing, you know, once I got um, all of the little, um, you know, sort of changes and things that I wanted to do with that um, uh, string trimmer holder, uh, like I said, uh, you know, I printed the first one, I printed them in a, a basic material that's like the most common for 3D printing. Um, it's a material that prints very easy and all that sort of stuff, but it's not really meant for outdoor use, uh, but it's great for prototyping. Um, so that's what I did initially was I built it out of those so that I could just see uh, because it's a material that also prints a lot faster. You can ramp up the speed on the 3D printer and, and um, you know, uh, basically uh, put out the part a lot quicker. Uh, so I was using those for a few days and just seeing how the zap straps would sit and, um, you know, how it uh, would hold in place and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I have a couple of holes um, as part of the uh, design that uh, when you're first putting string on, you you pop your string through the hole and it kind of holds the string in place so that you can then wind uh, your string up. And then um, there's another, uh, well, there's four holes in total. There's two on each side. Uh, so depending on, you know, the type of string that you're using, if it's a thick line, uh, like a 0 0.0105, uh, you can just, you know, put it in one of the holes and it'll hold it and then uh, wind the string around. And then the end piece, you 
uh, you know, put it through one of the other holes to hold that loose end. Uh, and then you can tuck those ends into the, the roll of string. Uh, if you're using a thinner line and the holes are too big and it's kind of loose, then you can, you know, feed it in through one hole and then feed it in uh, again, loop it through to another hole so that you're using two holes to hold it and uh, that works uh, great as well and then wind it and do the same thing that's why there's four holes there just gives you know different uh, varieties of ways to use it and uh, like I said I tried different things tried different hole sizes Uh, I saw how the zap straps were sitting on my original design I just had some cutouts for the zap straps to go through uh, and then there's like a solid base and I didn't like how the zap strap would sit on that solid base because of the corners uh, so then I designed uh, some fillets uh, cut into the base so that the zap strap just more uh, naturally f- goes around your trimmer shaft and then through over those fillets into the holes that hold um, the thing I also increased the infill which is uh, the density of how the in the internal part of the part is 3d printed because when you're 3d printing you can control all of that it um, you don't typically uh, 3d print a solid object it's hollow in the middle but it's all just like grids and um, all different um, you know uh, capacities of how full that inside part is uh so they call that the infill so i increase the infill for strength and all that sort of stuff and there's all these different patterns that you can do for the infill uh and uh yeah it's just been a very very cool journey and then um you know once i got the design um all uh basically hammered out uh with something that i was really happy with um then i uh, switched to a different material and uh, uh, picked a material called um, PETG, uh, which is a type of plastic uh, that is very commonly used. Actually, it's what um, is always used for things like uh, sports water bottles and stuff like that. Uh, so it's got a high UV resistance, um, so it doesn't uh, fade colors and stuff over time as easily and then uh, it has a higher uh, temperature rating uh, so that it can be outside in direct sunlight and stuff um, and uh, you know not um, warp and stuff as easily uh, as some uh, like that uh, initial uh, type of uh, traditional 3d uh, printing plastic uh, that they use called PLA um, so uh got it all uh, hammered out and uh with the PETG it takes much longer to print so each one of these little string trimmer holders takes about 3 hours and 10 minutes or so uh to uh print a single unit um but it's not something that needs to be you know babysat uh, while you're sitting there printing it you just kind of uh, load up the file and hit print and you can print uh, multiples at the same time if you want uh, so i've been doing like four at once uh, and uh, printing them and so doing four of them takes uh, about 12 hours uh, for the 3d printer to complete and uh, with that uh, PETG, it's just been uh, turning out fantastic. Uh, and uh, yeah, they've uh, worked really, really well. The first days, uh, even when I was doing the prototype ones and had them on, it was already saving me uh, those uh, walks of shame back to the truck uh, to refill strings. So uh, basically, long story short, if you haven't heard already, if you haven't followed me on Instagram, I am offering those for sale. Uh, people were showing interest uh, in them when I first showed some pictures and stuff and uh, so I decided, okay, hey, why not? Why not sell them? Uh, and uh, basically put a shop page together on my website. Uh, 
that you can find at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash shop. Uh, and uh, you can find uh, the uh, string trimmer uh, spare string holders there if you're interested uh, in purchasing them. Uh, you can head on over there. There's a bunch of photos of it, uh, uh, of uh, the unit there's themselves. I've also got a link to the YouTube video I did uh, showing uh, the spare string holder and uh, all the different um, prototype versions and stuff I kind of made and uh, showing you the finished version and what it looks like on the string trimmer and kind of showing uh, the 3d software and the 3d printer at work printing one of them and all that sort of stuff so it's been a really really fun journey i've got a bunch of other um interesting ideas of of uh accessories um or upgrades uh you could say to uh, certain machines and stuff uh that uh uh, or tools that uh, I'd like to uh, work on and uh, do some uh, 3D parts, uh, which I may or may not make available to other people if they uh, uh, show interest in those. But uh, like I said, yeah, if you want to check it out, uh, head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash shop. And uh, there you'll see uh, the uh, 3D string, uh, or yeah, the 3D printed uh, string trimmer, uh, spare string holder. And for those of you uh, who have ordered uh, these already um i've been um you know um, kind of uh, uh overwhelmed by the response so far a ton of you guys have i posted a picture on instagram and i did that youtube video originally and posted it on, on and um yeah the response has been fantastic uh, the 3d printer uh has been going uh, non-stop um you know doing batch after batch after batch uh, of these uh, three, uh, 3D printed uh, string trimmer spare string holders. That's a tongue twister. Uh, and uh, I was joking to my wife. I was like saying, honey, we're going to need another printer, right? Like start uh, doing like a print farm, getting two or three printers going to print these things uh, at a quicker rate. Uh, so yeah, check them out if you're interested. Uh, and uh, currently uh, with them, I'm uh, shipping to uh, Canada uh, or the U.S. The U.S. is pretty straightforward uh, because I can do a um, flat rate uh, shipping, a small packet shipping. Um, that basically lets me, um, fit, uh, probably about four of them. Uh, and people have been buying, which I've been surprised to, I thought people would be, you know, more, uh, buying one and stuff, but it seems to be the average, uh, is people buying two or three at, at, uh, per order, uh, which has been, uh, fantastic as well. Uh, and, uh, Canada, uh, is, uh, a bit more trickier cause there isn't like a flat rate, uh, shipping to Canada, um. So the prices kind of vary. So I have a flat rate on the website, but it's a bit high because it's the cover, you know, basically wherever uh, you are in Canada. Uh, but I may be able to figure out a way to um, uh, sort out uh, a cheaper shipping in Canada um, if uh, and give people the option uh, if no tracking is required. So if you don't care about uh, the tracking number and you're in Canada, then uh, I may be able to send it as something called uh, oversight sized uh, mail, uh, which uh, will be a lot uh, more uh, affordable uh, than doing the tracking number uh, in Canada. In the US, there's no option. It has to go as a parcel with a tracking number uh, if it's an object um, uh, to be able to get through uh, customs. So uh, enough about uh, that. Uh, this week, I wanted to talk about, I got an email uh, from a listener 
actually last night. And I was actually going to do this episode on something different, um, but uh, decided uh, when I read this email that, hey, why not do it on this email? I can do uh, the other topic another time. So uh, this uh, message uh, or email was sent to me uh, by uh, Nicholas. And he says, hello, long time listener here. Wanted to ask you a question. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. You have uh, been driving me to finally start up my very own lawn care company, but I'm struggling really hard to gain customers. I've made a Facebook page for my company and everything, uh, and uh, I haven't seen anyone come through. Try to do door-to-door, but nowadays no one will answer their door to talk to you. My question is, what is the best way to promote uh, and gain new customers? Uh, also, I wanted to thank you. Your podcast has done so much for me and my company. I binge listen uh, every day at work. You have helped me grow the courage to start doing what I loved for a job. So thank you. Well, uh, Nicholas, thank you very much for uh, listening to the podcast and congratulations uh, on uh, you know deciding to uh, start your own lawn care business that's absolutely uh, fantastic and uh, I'm uh, you know very uh, humbled by the fact that uh, you know you've uh, found the value in my podcast to uh, help you uh, on the, this journey so uh, that's absolutely fantastic so in this episode, I wanted to uh, basically answer your question and go over uh, a couple of basically must-dos for any lawn care business. Uh, but before I get into it, uh, let's listen to uh, an uh, ad from our sponsor. So we'll get into it right after this. For almost 40 years, landscape pros have trusted Xmark Equipment to help them get the job done day in and day out. Hey, I'm Mike Mayfield, and as a product manager here at Xmark, I get the opportunity to listen to our customers and test new ideas for our products each and every day. We strive to make our mowers the most durable, comfortable, and advanced in the green industry. Xmark, engineered by us, trusted by landscape professionals, ready to work for you. Awesome. So, uh... I wanted to uh, take a quick uh, moment here to also thank Xmark uh, for continuing uh, to sponsor the podcast uh, through uh, the 2021 uh, season and year. Uh, so thank you very much uh, to Xmark for that. And we've got a whole bunch of uh, new Xmark ads uh, for you guys. You know, the last year we've been playing the same ad over and over again. Uh, but you know, 2020 was a crazy year. Uh, so we got uh, some new ads. They actually sent them to me, uh, back in February, but because I had already pre-recorded, um, all of the episodes up until last week, um, you know, they were already pre-recorded with the other ad. Uh, so uh, going forward, uh, starting today, you'll start hearing, uh, a different X mark, uh, ad each week. So, uh, the marketing must-dos for a new lawn care business. Uh, so, number one, Nicholas, before you do anything, um, you know, even um, listening to this abs- you know, whole podcast episode, I would hit pause uh, after this number one. And number one is Google My Business. If you... Uh, listen to the podcast, uh, like you say you have, you've listened to um, all of the interview episodes and stuff that I've done with people and we talk about marketing and, you know, we sort of uh, share the number one tip for marketing and all that sort of stuff. There's a common theme that comes up over and over again in a lot of the people that I interviews, answers, 
uh, as well as uh, my own experiences. And that is Google My Business. So Google My Business is that uh, service where if you're uh, typing in um, you know, lawn care, for example, in your area, uh, it's those results that pop up uh, in the search engine before all of the regular website uh, results. It's those ones that are attached to the map. There's always this map at the top of the uh, search results. It has sort of the uh, little flags kind of showing different locations, and then they correspond with uh, different businesses underneath. So that is Google My Business. And with each Google My Business listing, you have a Google uh, My Business page for your business. And basically, you can use this like a Facebook page for your business, that sort of thing, where uh, it gives basic information. You can set your hours. You can set the days that you work, the services. You can upload photos. Uh, You can do a whole bunch of stuff with Google My Business. And the, one of the reasons why this is so powerful is because the majority of internet searches these days happens on a phone. Um, yes, people still use computers. Yes, you know, all that stuff is still relevant. But mobile is like the number one thing. Everybody's got a phone just about now. Everybody's got, you know, pretty much uh, internet access on their phones and has a web browser and they're searching. Now, the key difference here is that all these smartphones all have GPS uh, with them. And so they know where you are. And so this is fantastic because what happens is, you know, if somebody is searching for you and you have your business listed on Google My Business, which is free, by the way. Uh, it's location-based. So that's why this is fantastic because you don't have to worry about now your competition on the other side of town who maybe is a bigger business or something like that because if the person searching for lawn care is closer to you, you your business will show up before that other business. The closer you are to in vicinity to those customers, the more uh, relevant your listing becomes. So that's why this is such a powerful um, tool. The other thing that makes this powerful is the sort of verification process and the fact that to be listed on Google My Business, you can't just, you know, go on there and uh, create a profile and stuff. You have to do some steps. And one of the steps is once you register, they ask you for your address and you don't have to worry, uh, especially like if you're like a home-based business and you don't want to publish your address or something like that, you're just letting Google know your address. Your address will not get published unless you want it to. Uh, you know, you can, there's a checkbox there that you can tick or, or untick if you don't want your, uh, your uh, location uh, address. But what it does is it just verifies that that's where you're based out of. And what happens is Google will then send you a postcard to that address. They'll send you a physical mailed postcard to uh, finish that uh, registration. And on that postcard, there's going to be a code on it. So once uh, you 
basically sign up for Google. You know, it could take a few days to a week or so uh, to be able to finish the whole process because you're going to wait for that postcard. Once that postcard is uh, sent to you through snail mail, uh, you're going to get that physical postcard. You're going to log back into your Google My Business account. It's going to ask you for that verification code that was on that postcard. And now that you have that, Google knows that, yes, this is your real address because you were able to get mail here and that you are a real business. So then you're going to input that uh, verification code into the Google My Business. And now you your business basically goes live on Google. And uh, this has been the number one way that I have gotten uh, new clients uh, for my business. I... Um, uh, did this right away when I left uh, the franchise company back in 2011 and started my own business. Uh, I did a Google My Business. Back then it was called Google Places, um, but it was exactly the same uh, service, uh, basically. And, uh, you know, this has been uh, the number one thing. And from all of the interviews that I've uh, done with other people and we talk about marketing, it's the common theme that comes up. Google My Business, Google My Business, Google My Business. This is that thing that you need to do. If you are a new lawn care business, a new service business, this is what you need to do right away if you haven't done so already. It's set up that Google My Business page. Like I said, it's free. There's nothing uh, to lose in doing it. Customers can leave reviews on Google. Uh, It's just so powerful. There's just so much uh, to it. And Google being like the number one search engine, it's like it's a no brainer that you want to be listed uh, with Google when that's what, you know, the majority of people are using to uh, do their searches uh, is uh, Google My Business. So, you know, number one, get yourself a business listing on Google. Now, the second thing uh, that I would do um, is kind of works together with Google My Business, and that's uh, getting yourself a website. Now, you mentioned uh, that you have a Facebook page and stuff like that. And hey, that's great. There's a, you know, a ton of users and stuff like that. And you know, I would uh, get yourself a Facebook page as well. And um, like I said, you already have. uh, And, uh, you know, I would use that social media um, kind of in addition to a website, I would still get yourself a website. Uh, you know, I think people are still um, looking at company websites, um, even if you, uh, a company or somebody searching uh, Google My Business, uh, for example, there's a link to your website there. The nice thing about a website is that it's yours. You own it. You can... Um, Make that website, you know, as uh, customized to your branding uh, that we'll we'll talk about in a little bit too. Um, but you can make it your own. You can make your website, you know, exactly how you want it to look to best represent your business. And the thing about you know Google My Business and Facebook and Instagram and all these things are all fantastic. And I would utilize all of them, but they can change at a moment. And they are, um, you know, they're all businesses as well. So they all have their own, uh, you know, stake in the game. And they're all trying to make money themselves. So, 
you know, they control that. So when you have your business listed on those things, like I said, the Google My Business is fantastic, but you want to be able to have your own place as well. Uh, because a website is also going to get listed. So somebody does a search on uh, Google, you know, your Google My Business will come up and stuff, but your website may also pop up as well. Um, you know, especially if you've got a strategic name to your business or something like that, uh, like maybe it's named after a town or city or something like that, um, that uh, somebody uh, may strategically be uh, typing into uh, a search engine. For example, uh, my own company, that's sort of the uh, route that I took because um, you know, when thinking about all this and putting it all together, um, you know, if I called it um, super duper lawn care, um, you know, the chances of somebody going, you know what, um, you know, without knowing me or knowing my business, the chances of somebody going into a search engine and typing something like, you know, I think I need some super duper lawn care, right? That's probably not going to be a thing. But, you know, there's been lots of times where somebody's trying to refine a search and, you know, they know that if they just type in lawn care, that they might get lawn care companies listed there from surrounding uh, counties or towns or cities or things like that, that, you know, they're not interested in. They want to, uh, you know, refine that search to that area that they live in. So they might type in Something like uh, Cloverdale Mowing, for example. That's the name of my company. And it's not that they know that that's the name of my company, but that's the town that I live in, and that's what I do. So when people are naturally typing in something like that to refine their search, guess whose website pops up? Because it's a natural fit uh, there. So it's, you know, using uh, tools like that, thinking about, uh, how that stuff kind kind of comes up uh, and how people search uh, is a great way um, to sort of increase your odds as well. So I would definitely uh, get yourself a website because, uh, like I said, uh, you know you control that part of it, and it's just another hit. It's just another listing that will come up in those search results. Uh, you know and. Uh, if people recognize that, you know, the name in the, even if they don't go to the Google My Business page, maybe they look at the, just the, the map listings and show that, hey, your company's listed here. And then they notice, hey, look, your website's down below it. Uh, and, uh, you know, they go to your website and, and check out that. And, you know, you can have full control there. Um, you know, one of the things I've noticed as well is that you want to, uh, and the approach that I took uh, was I wanted to make it so that when, you know, uh, people searched or, or if they wanted, uh, say, information about me, say they saw my company and they wanted to search and, and get some information. I wanted it so that when they typed in my company name, if, if they knew my company, um, that it was only information about my company. It wasn't, you know, just this one maybe listing at the top and then, you know, all of my competitors listed below me. So when I first started, what I did was I took that approach of, you know, let me do the Google My Business. Let me do a website. Let me go on to, uh, and one of my other points here um, with uh, the website is, um, you know, all these other type of uh, business listing pages uh, where anywhere where I could list my business on sort of like a free site. There was things like a site I remember called Hot Frog. 
Um, there was another one called Home Stars. Uh, there was um, the local Yellow Pages had like a free listing. So if it was like anywhere I could list my business for free, I would do it. Uh, and what I found was that, you know, then if somebody saw my trailer and they just, you know, maybe they didn't get to jot down the website address or they didn't notice the phone number or whatever the case may be, but they remembered the name because it was an easy to remember name being, you know, named after the town and what I do, um, you know, they could search that in Google and now because they're putting in my company name, it was like populated with a whole bunch of, it was like my, you know, Google, my business page. Then it was like my website. Then it was, you know, the hot frog listing, the yellow pages listing, the thing. So it was like the whole first page of results. And we know that, you know, uh, people very rarely go, uh, you know, uh, past that first page. Sometimes they go into the second page and that's usually where things fizzle out after that. Um, so you want, you know, that first page of results is very, very important. Uh, so I would just, you know, try to blanket my company in different um, listings as, as, you know, as much as possible uh, so that uh, it was uh, in, you know, all the different areas uh, that it could be and would all show up uh, on that first uh, page of search results if somebody uh, typed in my company name. So that's the approach that I took uh, with doing it uh, that way. And you want to, like I say, make sure that you're um, getting that website, uh, doing the Google My Business, and then using those other things, the Facebook, the uh, Instagram, um, YouTube, all that sort of stuff. I would use all of that um, to support that main message on your website. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these um, things are fantastic, like the YouTube, for example. You know, it's another uh, tool that you can use, uh, sign up for free, uh, and uh, you can do, you know, put your videos out on there. Now, don't use it for putting out videos on product reviews uh, or tools or things like that, because, of course, you know, that's not what you're trying to attract here. Uh, you're trying to attract customers to your lawn care business. So what you want to do is you want to become an authority in your town, in your area, with the area that you're serving um, and uh, put your knowledge out there on lawn mowing on whatever it is and offer tips to homeowners. So just make videos on uh, tips for homeowners uh, for taking care of their lawn in your specific area, because every area is going to be different. Uh, so you want to be able to offer your advice and basically position yourself as the authority you know, in lawn care for your specific area and, uh, you know, put those videos on YouTube, but then you're able to link uh, or embed those videos on your website. So you can, you know, have that web or that video hosted for free on YouTube and you may, you know, get some traction there from people searching. Uh, because again, uh, you know, YouTube is like the second biggest search engine uh, behind Google, but they work together since they're owned by uh, both owned by Google. Uh, that, uh, you know, you'll notice too on some uh, search results that videos pop up as well. So you want to be able to, uh, you know, title those videos for YouTube on you know, named after your town or area. Uh, so, you know, if you're doing lawn mowing, um, you know, call it lawn mowing, you know, in whatever town and area you're in and name that as the title of your video. Uh, you know, 
string uh, lawn edging tips for that area, fertilizing tips for that area. Uh, and that way, when people are searching for, you know, companies and stuff like that, along with those, uh, you know, search results uh, are going to pop up that video section too, and your vid- videos are going to pop up. Uh, so they'll be able to see that as well. But then on your um, uh, your website, you'll be able to embed those YouTube videos uh, in your website and have, uh, you know, sections about lawn care and stuff like that. And you can have those videos uh, shown there that people can watch. And it just shows, and, you know, you want to make sure you're putting yourself on camera uh, and filming yourself talking because now you're creating that relationship with that customer before they even call you. They see your face. They see, you know, hopefully your uh, shiny trucks and uniforms and your branding and all that sort of stuff. And you're creating that connection. Now, when they're talking or they're calling you, you uh, or you know they're you know meeting you for a quote they're expecting that guy from that video and you know your knowledge is already when you're talking about fertilizing tips and things like that on their lawn and lawn care uh, and all that sort of stuff that's already building the trust uh, in them uh, and it's basically selling your service already and you'll find that it'll be a lot easier to uh, sell your service once you get there even if your price may be a little bit more expensive maybe than the competitor stuff because the of those videos building that sort of repertoire for you showing that you know what you're talking about and already giving them a you know a look at the quality of work that you're doing it's going to go a long way. So you want to be able to think, uh, you know, guerrilla marketing, basically, they call it, right? Think outside the box. Think of things uh, like that, that you can utilize these tools that are available to us all uh, to be able to uh, put yourself uh, ahead of everybody else. Now, this is going to seem like a lot of work, and it is a lot of work to do, to film videos and edit them and do all that. Uh, and a lot of your competitors aren't going to be willing to do that. But that's exactly the point, is that you know if you put in the work that your competitors aren't willing to do, it's going to give you a leg up on those competitors. Uh, so these are you know some of the things that I would do. And you know, if I was, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff uh, wasn't exactly uh, available to me uh, when I started out. Uh, but, you know, things are always changing um, and evolving. So you got to kind of keep on top of that. But the nice thing, too, is as your business evolves and grows, uh, you know, you won't have to do as much of this anymore. You know, um, with my business now, I basically do no marketing uh, anymore in my business, uh, and I rely solely on um, the Google My Business. Um, I've gotten actually some calls from YouTube uh, as well, um, but uh, it's uh, mainly been uh, the Google My Business and my website. That those are the two things. When I ask every client that calls me, uh, you know how they heard about the business uh, stuff. Those are the two. The third would be they saw the truck or trailer. Uh, but it just goes to show that, uh, you know, searching um, online, uh, predominantly through uh, mobile phones is, uh, you know, the trend uh, that is happening. Uh, so <clears throat> you want to uh, focus on that. Use those, all those social media tools, not as your uh, main 
focus, like just, you know, relying on just a Facebook page that, you know, you don't want to do that as your main focus. You want to use that as a supplement, uh, as a, you know, the supporting um, technology to your website, right? Because your website is going to be your main home, uh, regardless of what uh, or, you know, which of those um, you know, types of, uh, uh, technologies, uh, that you're using. You want, uh, that website to be, uh, the number one thing because you control that. You can have all your branding, the colors, all that stuff. You can fix, like when you look, think about, um, you know, Facebook, you can't do that with Facebook. Facebook is Facebook. It's the colors are set by Facebook, the, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. You can, of course, you know, add your logos and things like that, but it's not the same as a fully, you know, encompassing website where when they load it, it's like, welcome to, you know, uh, Nicholas's uh, uh, mowing uh, company, uh, you know, that sort of thing, right? You want to uh, bring them in and, uh, you know, make it uh, fully immersive into your brand, get them that brand recognition uh, happening. So that brings us to uh, branding. Uh, so uh, before we get into that, uh, let's uh, just hear from our sponsor and we'll get back into it right after this. This episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast is brought to you by Cujo Yardware, the shoe that's built like a boot but feels like a sneaker and specifically designed for yard work. They're waterproof, breathable, and lightweight. Go check them out at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash Cujo and use coupon code LCBS10 to get 10% off your order. Okay, so uh, branding, uh, like I said, uh, is going to be a huge one too. And this is another one that I used. Another strategy that I used uh, was that I've talked about this uh, so many times that I modeled my business after 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Uh, I just loved um, sort of the uh, immersiveness of it. Uh, now, um with when it got junk, they started here uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, that's where uh, the company uh, got its base uh, from, uh, where Brian Scudamore, the CEO of the company founder, uh, started um, with, you know, first truck number one, and then, uh, you know, built the whole franchise system there. Uh, so it might be something that I just see more here. I don't know how I know uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK is everywhere now, pretty much. Uh, but uh, to what extent, I'm not sure. Like here, they're everywhere. You see the trucks everywhere. So, uh, you know, what I liked about them was the, you know, just very clean trucks. It was like almost like they were washing those trucks every day. The bright white with the blue, the big branding on it, the 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Uh, and then just the consistency of uniforms and all that, the website, everything was along that uh, consistency of the branding. And I really, really like that. And the other thing uh, that kind of led to that as well was that, you know, you would look and um, get their pricing and stuff like that. And it would be like, well, they're like actually pretty expensive. Uh, and yet this company's growing like so exponentially that they're obviously doing very, very well. And they're like, keep expanding, expanding, expanding. So people are paying those prices, uh, you know, and a lot to do, a lot that has to do with that is that branding uh, because, you know, a lot of people think, you know, uh, and it's common to have that misconception that, you know, the lowest price is always going to win. And in certain situations, that is uh, the case. But in other situations, though, you know, that branding, that 
clean trailers, the uniforms is the selling point. Uh, you know, especially in home services, if you have, you know, customers coming to your house, that's going to be a key factor as well. If you show up in an old beat up truck uh, with, you know, ripped jeans and you're super dirty and the truck's all filthy and smoke coming out of it and all that sort of stuff and it's loud and noisy and all that sort of stuff, you know, that may be a huge turnoff to some people, especially when they're getting a quote and then the next company shows up and it's like, you know, Brian's lawn maintenance, you know shiny truck and trailer, beautiful logos and graphics and all that sort of stuff, that could be the difference maker right there, even if the price is more. Um, You know, uh, I knew a a guy uh, once at one of the jobs I used to work at, uh, and uh, one of the customers that would always come in, it was an an auto upholstery shop uh, that I worked at uh, after high school. And... um, uh, one of the customers that came in that was constantly always in uh, had a, it was like a towing recovery uh, type company or something like that. And he was always having his vehicles customized, his work vehicles, his tow trucks uh, with like custom interior and stuff and fancy like uh, paint jobs with like airbrushed um, graphics and stuff on it. They just look, they look like show trucks. Not something you would be using for towing. And, uh, you know, his uh, mindset, I remember him saying was, you know, because people would ask, like, why are you, you know, doing that? Like, for a tow vehicle, like, why would you do all that? And he says, because I want my customers to see that I'm successful. I want them to see that, you know, we can afford to do this stuff because we get all the work. Um, because, you know, we've got a good reputation, we get the job done, obviously that leads to more work and, you know, people don't want to mess around. They want to hire the company that's going to get it done. So, you know, he puts that out there. It sets himself apart from all the regular towing companies, uh, and, uh, you know, gets the job done and they do very well for themselves. And, uh, you know, that always kind of stuck with me that, uh, you know, that branding and all that sort of stuff is worth the investment to, uh, you know, make it so that your vehicle stands out. And that's one of the things that I took. One of the approaches that I took uh, in my own lawn care business was that uh, was, uh, you know, going with uh, originally uh, when I uh, left the franchise, I started thinking about colors and all that sort of stuff, too. And around here, like a lot of trailers were um green, uh, that sort of thing. It was kind of, uh, you know, pretty generic. And uh, I thought, you know, what's the kind of the cool um, item right now uh, at the time, you know, cool branding out there, what companies have some cool branding, all that sort of stuff. And of course, 1-800-GOT-JUNK had cool branding. They were blue and white and stuff and a little bit of green and things like that, which are uh, pretty West Coast colors as well, which really kind of worked as well because you know uh, being Canadian here hockey is a huge uh, the NHL team here is the, the um, Vancouver Canucks and that's you know the 1-800 got junk colors was like the color the, the colors of the team too uh, so that kind of worked and I thought about that and then 
uh, I thought, uh, you know what, one of the branding that really sticks out to me, the new, one of these new products that's hit the market uh, when I was uh, starting my business that came out that I really liked uh, the colors for was uh, Monster Energy Drinks. And I thought, hey, those are pretty cool. The black cans with that sort of lime green and the white and stuff. And then it kind of made me think of like, um, you know, Grave Digger monster truck and that sort of stuff. And I was like, that's got like, oh, that's the, the coolest monster truck too. And it's kind of like those same type of colors and stuff. I think Grave Digger has some purple in there and stuff too, but I thought that's some pretty cool colors, monster energy drink. So that's what I went with, with my company was like, you know, black trailer with the green uh, kind of lime uh, looking green uh, for the company name and then white um, uh, to support, uh, you know, any other text and stuff around the company logo. And it turned out fantastic. And it was also very uh, visible, uh, very legible. Uh, which is something that I read uh, or learned uh, from another job uh, that I had uh, in the past, a business that I had started, which was uh, doing signs and graphics. I bought myself a vinyl plotter and I learned how to do signs and graphics and I had a, a mobile sign business and I was doing uh, vehicle lettering and all that sort of stuff as well. And when you look at my trailer and all that sort of stuff, all the signs and graphics on the trailer, I did myself. I you know, applied them myself and all that sort of stuff. So... um one of the things I learned was that negative space is just as important as uh, the sp- the space of your sign. So, you know, when I first started out and knew nothing about sign making and was just kind of teaching myself, I would make signs and I would try to make them as big as possible to fit, you know, that available space. And what I learned from another sign maker uh, who's very open to helping me as he said, you know, the negative space is just as important. And what he meant was the empty space. So on a sign, that blank space that's around those letters is just as important. So if you try to, you know, squish your sign or put too much into that blank canvas, it all becomes muddled and it all becomes a mess and unreadable. So leaving it minimalistic will actually make it easier to read uh, and easier to see from farther distances. Uh, Think about a sign, you know, if it's got, uh, you know, 80% coverage in text and you're looking at it from far away, you can't read that. But if, you know, if it only has a few lines of text, it's a lot easier to read. Uh, So that's sort of what, um, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, mindset goes to. And that's one of the reasons why I still prefer simple vinyl lettering on a vehicle versus um, I've seen some companies doing like the full vehicle wraps and you know unless it's done right um, you know a lot you can tell where the designers are inexperienced or the the person wants you know full coverage of stuff and they've got like you know this whole scene or photo or something happening and the company logo and texts and all that stuff just gets lost in there and you know i you're literally i've seen you know sitting at a stoplight another you know competitor company go by with like a full wrap with like a picture and stuff on it and you know he's just in the intersection he's maybe 30 feet 40 feet away from me and you can't read a word of what's on his uh you know uh, truck or trailer because it's just all lost in that photo that graphic and all that whereas my trailer because it's just that black background with uh you know the clean logo and stuff like that you can read it from a block away you can see what it says it's it's 
you know, just stands out very, very uh, distinctly. So you want to pay attention to that when you're doing your branding, uh, keeping it clean, keeping it consistent through your uniforms, all that stuff, but keeping it visible, not overdoing it. Uh, And then make that, you know, truck and trailer work for you. Uh, park it in places. You know, the 1-800-GOT-JUNK, this is another um, thing that they do. I've recently talked about this on a, uh, one of the podcast interviews, where here, if you're on the weekends or something like that, and they're not working, anytime that they're not working, those 1-800-GOT-JUNKs, and now the competitors are well as well, um, they all park in strategic places. So there's like maybe some parking spots and things like that around town where they can park their, they can leave their trucks there. It's not where they live. It's not where they, uh, businesses are. It's just a parking spot. And like, uh, some of them are at the, like, uh, there's a bridge here. Uh, in one case where like the bridge kind of curves and there happens to be some parking spots on the, adjacent street uh, that you can kind of you can see from the bridge as you come off uh, the bridge and um, those went ahead and got junk they parked their trucks there so you're you have all this traffic going over the bridge all day long uh, so when those trucks aren't working hauling junk they're working advertising they park them there they leave them there when they're not being used and it's just a big billboard so, you know, I've talked about this in other episodes as well. Use that type of mindset uh, to your advantage. If you're not working when you're starting out and, you know, you've got more time uh, than you have jobs, then, you know, think strategically. How can I best use my vehicle right now, my truck and trailer? Is it getting me customers parked in my driveway, um, you know, in some obscure little cul-de-sac street in your neighborhood? Or would it be better if you park that? Um, you know, on off of the main road where it's visible to all the traffic. You're not using it, so why not park it there and have it as a big billboard so people start to see in those neighborhoods that you're working in, um, you know, that branding. The other thing I used to do was I used to just drive my truck and trailer through neighborhoods, uh, especially on weekends, on Saturdays, when people are out washing their cars and doing their own, like, uh, gardening and, um, you know, uh, playing outside with the kids and all that sort of stuff, I would drive through neighborhoods, drive through those neighborhoods that I'm trying to target and uh, do that. Just get that branding visible of uh, going through those neighborhoods. And then the other big thing was garden centers, like the Home Depot and things like that. They've got their garden centers. They have them outside in the parking lot, kind of overflowing in the springtime and stuff. And all these do-it-yourselfers are going in there and they're, you know, maybe they got this grand ambitions to, uh, uh, you know, plant some cedars or, uh, you know, some six-foot cedar trees or things like that. And they're buying them there. And, uh, you know, I park your trailer there. Um, go to the parking lot, drop off your truck and trailer, you know, walk into the Home Depot, walk around, do some shopping, maybe go out, grab some lunch, you know, at the subway or the, um, uh, what's the other, the Chick-fil-A or whatever may be around there, grab some lunch, um, that while leaving your truck and trailer at that Home Depot parking lot by the garden center, as people are exiting out, you know how they'll have uh, with the, those garden centers, because they kind of out overflow outdoors, they'll have like an exit right there outdoors as well for the people in the garden center. So they're f- coming out and they're looking, seeing your branding. Uh, 
And, you know, that can lead. It's led to jobs for me, uh, having my truck and trailer there. I've literally had customers uh, come up to me uh, and ask me uh, to mow their lawn. One of the famous uh, ones that I've told the story about, uh, one of the craziest things that ever happened to me uh, going to quote uh, to do that uh, lawn in that mansion was one acre. And, um, uh, you know, with that... Uh, uh, the, the old man that passed out uh, as I went to um, uh, give him a quote. And, uh, you know, that's the story that I tell about that. I've told it multiple times on this uh, podcast. That came from his wife seeing me at the Home Depot uh, and uh, seeing the truck and trailer and coming up to me and asking me uh, to go uh, and do a quote for them. So, you know, that's just one of those uh, examples with that is uh, use that branding to your advantage. Uh, and then the next thing um, that I would say, uh, you talked about door-to-door, and yes, with the, you know this age and with COVID and all that stuff, answering doors is not uh, something that people like to do. I know personally for me, I don't answer the door if I don't know who the person is uh, you know, um, at the door. Um, I've got no interest in that. Don't waste my time, that sort of stuff. If I, I'm of the mindset, if I need something, you know, I'll call you, uh, you know, don't come bother me. Uh, but with that being said, door to door, leave your flyers there. Do the door hangers. Do all that. Um, I'm personally not one that likes to knock on the door to talk to people um, because I don't like it when people do that to me. But I'll go door to door and leave flyers. I'll you know leave door hangers and all that. Target those neighborhoods that you want to work in. Um, and, you know, talk to people if they're outside already. And I've, you know, talked about how you should uh, kind of focus on, look for things um, on the properties and stuff that you can relate to and talk to uh, them about as you're approaching, you know, if they've got a nice old car, muscle car or something like that, or they've got a boat or a pet or something like that, engage them in them. People love to talk about themselves. So talk about them to them. And uh, you'll instantly uh, gain a friend and, uh, you know, you'll um, be able to have them put their guard down right away. If you're talking about their pet or that, that, and then just say, hey, you know, I'm just uh, starting a lawn care business uh, and dropping off flyers uh, and uh, say, you know, if you or anyone you know needs lawn care, maybe hold on to this flyer and pass it on to them for me. Uh, you know, just like I said, say you live in the neighborhood, that sort of thing. You're trying to uh, get started, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, a lot of things there are going to have them put their guard down. Number one, that you're uh, open and talking to them about things that they love, their boat, their car, their dog, their whatever their, the case may be. Number two, that you're saying that you're starting a business you know, people are generally going to want to help uh, you. And number three, that you say that you're a neighbor uh, or that you live in the neighborhood. That's another thing that's going to have them put their guard down. Those three things, um, you know, and they're more likely to hold on to your business card or your flyer and pass it on if it's uh, uh, something that they don't need right away or they may hold on to it for, you know, a time where they do need it. Because now, you know, when that need arises or they hear of somebody else that needs it or, you know, something that happens that they need it, they're more likely to call you because they've established that bit of a relationship with you in that talk, that discussion, that friendly banter uh, going back and forth. And you're more likely to get uh, the call that way as well. So I would take that and, uh, you know, really um, 
go with it is that you know from that point of view don't worry about necessarily knocking on the doors and talking to the people uh that just drop off your flyer all that sort of stuff because it's about the branding make sure that your branding is on those flyers those door knockers get that out there and this is not a one and done situation this is a you know constantly situation so you're picking those strategic neighborhoods and you're putting that flyer once a month uh, sort of thing, not once and you forget about it and never do it again. It's because uh, a lot of times those fires are going to go right into the bin, right? Right into the recycle bin or the garbage can or whatever the case may be. Because, you know, for those customers that haven't talked to you, you know, you haven't re- uh, developed that relationship with, um, they don't know you from your competitors, right? So the Obviously, a lot of those fires are going to go in the garbage. So what you want to do is keep reminding them that you're still there, that your company is still there. So you do it every, uh, you know, at least once a month. Drop off a flyer, drop off a flyer, drop off a flyer. Every new neighborhood that you get, when you start getting uh, quotes and stuff like that, not only do you go and quote uh, that the lawn that you quoted, but hit the houses around it as well. Um you know, drop off some flyers, see if you can pick up some more work in that neighborhood. When you, you know, finally get those customers, um, then again, repeatedly start dropping off flyers once a month to all the neighbors on that block. Uh, you know, it doesn't take that long, might take you 10 minutes to go up and down a street, uh, a city block and drop off flyers to, you know, 20 houses or whatever that may be on that block. Uh, but then, you know, you're constantly doing it and uh, they're going to start to see you there each week when you're mowing the lawn. And then, you know, they're going to be constantly reminded uh, with your flyer each uh, month that, uh, or your door hanger or whatever the case may be, uh, that your, uh, you know, that your brand is the one to call. Um, The other thing is uh, just a bit on that too. Uh, I didn't have this written down, but just popped in my head and that is uh, that root density, right? You want to work for root density. um, So don't spread yourself too thin. Don't try to be going to all different markets and cities and all that stuff. Pick an area and focus on that area. The, The more you work that area with flyers and stuff like that, it's going to be easier to pick up that work instead of trying to spread yourself too thin, right? You're not going to be able to drop off flyers every month to, you know, every city and all that sort of stuff. So pick those neighborhoods that you want to work in. As you get jobs, people are going to see you more often. It's going to become more and more easy if you're focusing in on specific areas and neighborhoods uh, for that branding to really work for you. Now, last but not least is just something um, <clears throat> that is uh, something that I did in the very beginning when I started with that franchise. It was kind of a policy that they had, uh, was that they had an income guarantee when you bought into that uh, franchise, basically stating that, you know, right from day one that you would start making um, at a minimum such and such per week. And how they did it was, you know, in the beginning when you're a new franchisee and you don't have any work, what they had you do was they had you go out and mow lawns for free. So as you would canvas those neighborhoods that you want to work in, you could knock on doors and stuff like that or see those people outdoors that are doing whatever they're doing and offer to mow their lawn for free. And just say how I did it, of course, was I was with a franchise. So I would say, hey, I just bought into, you know, such and such franchise. And uh, they have an income guarantee, and basically what they're doing until I uh, can build up a new enough clients is that they will supplement my income um, for every lawn uh, free lawn mow that I do. 
um, and that there's no strings attached or anything like that. I just need your name and phone number in case they need to verify that, uh, you know, I indeed did mow your lawn for free. And people let me mow their lawns for free. So I would mow their lawns for free and I would submit that information uh, to the franchise company. And then, uh, you know, they would reimburse you for those uh, mows to make sure that you were working. And their theory behind it was that, hey, you're being seen mowing lawns. You're, um, you know, mowing those lawns. The neighbors are going to see you. Potentially those customers that you're mowing those lawns for may hire you for future work and that stuff. And that's, you know, that did happen. I did get jobs and reoccurring customers from those free mows uh, that customers would hire me then and say, hey, can you come and do another mow and stuff like that? And, you know, they'd see the good job you do, you lay edges and all that stuff. It would just make the lawn look so nice. And, you know, some of them would hire you. So how could you use this, you know, not being as part of a franchise? Well, make it work for you. Have some lawn signs made up for your company and go and do some free mows. This is called guerrilla marketing. Uh, go do some free mows. Uh, ask people uh, and offer people to do a free mow in exchange for having your sign uh, on their lawn for one week. Uh, so, uh, you know, you have to, they have to <clears throat> be able to, you know, let you predominantly, you know, display a lawn sign on their lawn uh, for the one week and go and mow the lawn. Now you've got a spot you can advertise strategically in that neighborhood, you know, nice, maybe a nice corner lot of a house, you know, that enters a neighborhood or something like that. You know, uh, think about different things that you could do here. Uh, and uh, at the same time, you could extend this to uh, charity work as well. Are there businesses, daycares, um, maybe um, disabled people uh, or veterans, things like that that can't mow their lawns for free, that maybe have injuries or things like that and they can't do it? Maybe they're uh, financially uh, having a hard time. Well, how about... Uh, doing some lawn mowing uh, for them in exchange for having your sign there all year long, all season long in those neighborhoods that you're working in and, uh, you know, do a free mowing. Uh, think strategically about things you can do like that to get your branding out there, to get your name in the community um, and uh, go from there. And the last one that I'll leave you with, uh, speaking of community, is community events get your business in uh, community events. So this will be difficult, of course, uh, with COVID and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, as things start to return to normal, hopefully sooner than later, um, you know, I know in the town area that I'm from, there's a bunch of stuff where uh, here we have a rodeo every May, which was canceled, of course, last year. Um, I think it's going to be canceled this year as well. Um, but, uh, you know, that's a huge community event here, uh, the rodeo. There's also a blueberry festival. There's a ton of car shows, like classic car shows and stuff that happen here because it's sort of that small town feel. Um, there's um, a Santa Claus parade at Christmas where lots of businesses uh, go into and they decorate their business vehicles with Christmas lights and things like that. There's a Halloween parade uh, where the businesses on the local little strip 
uh, that famous street that I talk about all the time where a lot of movies and and uh, TV shows and stuff are filmed. Uh, ironically, um, this past week, it's, uh, I can't remember the name, uh, but it's all over the like local newspaper here. Uh, pictures of John Cena uh, dressed up in some, looks like some sort of like a superhero outfit or something. He's in town <clears throat> on that strip doing um, some, uh, I think it's a TV show um, that's going to feature like superheroes or something like that. Uh, but, uh, at any rate, that's, um, uh, you know, it's cause of that small town feel there's the businesses on that strip. They do this Christmas par- or this Halloween parade where all the kids can go there and <clears throat> just go door to door to all the businesses and, and get candy and stuff like that. Right. So I've, uh, talked, uh, in the past about doing this with my business and I've talked to the organizer about it and they're like, yeah, that'd be great. Just come. And, you know, even though I'm not, um, a business on the strip because I'm a business in the same town that, Hey, I'm a mobile business. I could set up my truck and trailer and, uh, you know, have the kids as they're walking by, uh, giving them candy and stuff as well. So lots of different things, right? Get yourself in those communities, get yourself known, get that branding out there, uh, the best uh, that you can. And one thing that you'll, um, if you've been paying attention is that a lot of everything that I've been talking about here is absolutely free. I haven't talked about placing ads on Google. I haven't talked about paying for ads on Instagram uh, or anything. All of that stuff is above and beyond. If you want to get into targeting ads on Facebook, all that sort of stuff is, you know, above and beyond all of this. But everything that I'm talking about here uh, in this episode is all stuff that you can do for free or close to free. And, you know, the yard signs and stuff, of course, are going to cost you uniforms and, you know, your trailer and uh, signs and stuff like that. But that's all stuff you need to do anyways for your business. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the most part, you're not paying for an ad or anything like that. This is all stuff that you can, um, you know, kind of do and uh, for a little, uh, little to no money and get it uh, happening for you. So I hope uh, that uh, helps you uh, with your new lawn care business and anybody else out there uh, starting a lawn care business or, you know, a similar service industry type business. Um, you know, this is all the stuff uh, uh, that I did that worked for me uh, in my lawn care business. Uh, after I left the franchise and basically started from zero, nobody knew who I was um, <clears throat> or what uh, you know my company name was or anything like that. Uh, and I just kind of you know took that strategic approach to it uh, and um, you know uh, went from there. So uh, hopefully you'll find a lot of uh, nuggets of gold, <laughs> so to speak, in this uh, episode. Uh, I think uh, I shared uh, quite a bit there, and uh, I think uh, if you uh, you know take some of that and uh, follow it, it's a pretty solid game plan uh, to get you started and get uh, new customers for your lawn care business. So uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed this episode and found value in it. Again, if you do appreciate uh, these episodes, uh, I'd so uh, appreciate uh, you guys uh, going to uh, iTunes and leaving a review. Uh, I know I ask uh, this quite a bit um, on the podcast, uh, and it's amazing to me Um you know, those of you that do leave the reviews, um, it does really mean a lot to me. Um, like I said, uh, Apple still is sort of the king of uh, podcasts, and that's why, um, you know, the reviews on uh, iTunes mean so much uh, because it just, uh, it, 
really does uh, help a lot. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you could uh, please leave a review on iTunes, that would be fantastic. Uh, also, if you guys want to uh, help support the podcast or you need uh, to, um, you know, uh, a new uh, way to keep string on your string trimmer, go check out that uh, spare string <clears throat> holder that I uh, designed uh, on my website. It's uh, available for sale uh, now uh, at uh, com. You can go to the shop page or longcarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash shop. Uh, so uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.